0: Today's reading is from the book of Samuel, chapters 1 and 2. As Pastor Beth has forewarned us, this is one of the long ones, and the pronunciations are not easy, so please bear with me. There was a certain man of Ramathaim, a Zufite, from the hill country of Ephraim, whose name was Elkanah, son of Jeroham, son of Elihu, son of Tohu, son of Zuf, an Ephraimite. He had two wives. The name of one was Hannah, and the name of the other, Pinnanah. Pinanah had children, but Hannah had no children. Now this man used to go up year by year from his town to worship and to sacrifice to the Lord of Hosts at Shiloh, where the two sons of Eli, Hophni and Phinehas, were priests of the Lord. On the day when Elkanah sacrificed, he would give portions to his wife Pinanah and to all her sons and daughters. But to Hannah he gave a double portion, because he loved her, though the Lord had closed her womb. Her rival used to provoke her severely, to irritate her, because the Lord had closed her womb. So it went on, year by year. As often as she went up to the house of the Lord, she used to provoke her. Therefore Hannah wept and would not eat. Her husband Elkanah said to her, Hannah, why do you weep? Why do you not eat? Why is your heart so sad? Am I not more to you than ten sons?" After they had eaten and drunk at Shiloh, Hannah rose and presented herself before the Lord. Now Eli, the priest, was sitting on the seat beside the doorpost of the temple of the Lord. She was deeply distressed and prayed to the Lord and wept bitterly. She made this vow. O Lord of hosts, if only you will look on the misery of your servant and remember me and not forget your servant, but will give to your servant a male child, then I will set him before you as a Nazarite until the day of his death. He shall neither drink wine nor intoxicants, and no razor shall touch his head. As she continued praying before the Lord, Eli observed her mouth. Hannah was praying silently. Only her lips moved. But her voice was not heard. Therefore, Eli thought she was drunk. So Eli said to her, How long will you make a drunken spectacle of yourself? Put away your wine. But Hannah answered, No, my lord, I am a woman deeply troubled. I have drunk neither wine nor strong drink, but I have been pouring out my soul before the Lord. Do not regard your servant as a worthless woman, for I am speaking out of my great anxiety and vexation all this time." Then Eli answered, Go in peace. The God of Israel grant the petition you have made to him. And she said, Let your servant find favor in your sight. Then the woman went to her quarters, ate and drank with her husband, and her countenance was sad no longer. They rose early in the morning and worshiped before the Lord. Then they went back to their house in Ramah. Elkanah knew his wife Hannah and the Lord remembered her. In due time, Hannah conceived and bore a son. She named him Samuel, for she said, I have asked him of the Lord. Hannah prayed and said, the Lord. My strength my My mouth
1: my There is no holy one like the Lord, no one besides you. There is no rock like our God. Talk no more so very proudly. Let not arrogance come from your mouth, for the Lord is a God of knowledge, and by him actions are weighed. The boughs of the mighty are broken, but the feeble gird on strength. Those who were full have hired themselves out for bread, but those who were hungry are fat with spoil. The barren has borne seven, but she who has many children is forlorn. The Lord kills and brings to life. He brings down to Sheol and raises up. The Lord makes poor and makes rich. He brings low, he also exalts. He raises up the poor from the dust. He lifts the needy from the ash heap to make them sit with princes and inherit a seat of honor. For the pillars of the earth are the Lord's, and on them he has set the world. He will guard the feet of his faithful ones, but the wicked shall be cut off in darkness. For not by might does one prevail. The Lord, his adversaries shall be shattered. The Most High will thunder in heaven. The Lord will judge the ends of the earth. He will give strength to his king and exalt the power of his anointed.
0: The word of life.
2: Thanks, be to God. Thanks, Michelle and Al. Let's pray. God, we bring all um, of what we are experiencing in this world and in our own lives. And we gather here today because we need to hear a different story. We need to hear your story. And so uh, we come to simply receive, to be open to the power of your spirit working within us, entering our heart to change the world. In Jesus' name, amen. We just heard Hannah's song of hope, yet I wonder, how can she even sing Hannah is infertile. She's unable to have a baby. In the ancient world, the sole identity of a woman was to bear children, mainly sons, so the family name could be established and extended. In those days, and I guess in our day too, children were the future. Having descendants meant that you would be cared for in your old age, it meant that your story would spill over to the next generation. Children gave you a purpose and vocation. So not to be able to have children meant an uncertain future. If your husband died, there would be no one left to care for you. So Hannah isn't known as Hannah, but as Baron Hannah. This one thing defined her. And to point to the pain even more, Hannah was one of two wives to Elkanah, and Panana, his second wife, was able to bear many children. And so in this quest to receive attention and love for Elkanah, Panana taunted Hannah, reminding her at every moment her ill worth, her inability to be a mother, and a full woman and Hannah's husband who we hear really loved Hannah could not quite understand the depth of her pain and he offers shallow words of love don't worry about it Hannah aren't I worth more to you than ten sons not quite Even Eli, the pastor, sees Hannah. She's fervently praying, probably mouthing the words because she has poured out every possible last plea to God in prayer. And Eli thinks she's drunk. Even this person who's supposed to see God's spirit alive within her can't see it. And so she is alone and swimming in her unsettled ache. Now, we don't know about Hannah's faith or what she knows about God. But through the isolating pain, the silent grief that is not supported by anyone around her, it doesn't even seem that God hears her. She continues to come to God. And what does she do? She weeps. She prays that she will be remembered. She insists that God should be about a new thing. She even bargains with God. If I have a baby, God, I will dedicate him to you. But even in all this, God seems so distant. And somehow, through all the chaos, the abuse, the gut-wrenching suffering, the tenacious faith, God hears Hannah's prayer, and Hannah does bear a son, and he is named Samuel. Now, I think about our world today. Clearly, it is more accepted for couples to not have children, yet we still expect it. We often say without thinking, when are you going to have a baby? And how is one supposed to respond if they have been desperately trying to conceive? Or what if they just experienced a miscarriage? The pain is so great in those situations. But it's a silenced grief. And I think about our world. We live in a babies are us culture, everyone eager to lend their copy of what to expect when you're expecting. We parade the latest baby gear, tell the latest, my baby did this story on Facebook, show the latest picture, name the blessing. We easily forget those who are aching inside. I wonder when we pray each week, how many prayers are stirring in this sanctuary that cannot be spoken because they hurt so deeply. The aches are too deep. The sadness is unbearable. There's isolation in grief. I remember one of my professors at seminary had this profound sermon where she said this, resurrection is not reversal. Now I know The story of Hannah is way before the story of Jesus and his death and resurrection. But yet, this message is something that we need to hear. Resurrection is not reversal. And what God is about is the same. God's presence, his power to do a new thing, does not reverse death and suffering. It actually comes through death and suffering. New life comes through death. A possibility emerges from the impossible. A continued story comes from a supposed end. Have you noticed this fall how each and every story of the Old Testament, God comes to someone who is unexpected, someone who does not have it altogether, someone who could be overlooked? The people who God calls and who he speaks to never are able to skip over the doubt and uncertain future or turn back the clock on pain. They have to walk through it and trust along the way that God will keep his promise and act even when the way looks blurry. You see, this is how God chooses to work. Yet we live in a world that tells us to suffer is to be weak, to make a mistake is the end of the story. The world says strive for a perfect life, one where you can show your hard work and achievements. God says you will find me in the suffering, in the inability to be what the world tells you to be. That is where I will remain, and that's where a new story begins. We are not only blessed in the plenty and the good, we are blessed in the barren and the broken. Now the context for this story is important to know. The Israelites have made it to the promised land. The story of Moses is over. And now they're trying to establish their identity, but they fall short every single time. They're facing external threats from opposing countries and internal struggles as they find their center in God once again and they are looking for a new leader to emerge. It is through Hannah that God comes again with a new day and a continued story. Hannah will not listen to the voice of scarcity She chooses to sing the song of abundance, the prose of what could be. God heard Hannah and remembered once again his promise to his people. Samuel will rise up to lead God's people again, to anoint Saul as king and eventually King David in the lineage of Jesus. God acts within the silent pain of one for the benefit of of the world. He comes in close to go out wide. And this new thing never means reversal of pain or avoidance of the heartache. It is through Hannah's suffering that is where God creates again. And then there is Hannah and her prayer, her song that Michelle read. One that doesn't only speak to the thankfulness for her own blessing, but rather looks bigger, looks out into the world to speak to those who need to hear it. She sings, God raises up the poor from the dust. God lifts the needy from the heap to make them sit like princes and inherit a seat of honor. You see, Hannah's song is our song, our song in our silent grief, in our heartaches that are too much to bear. When the world taunts prosperity, Hannah sings of God who blesses us in the lacking. This prayer is gifted to us so we can remember who God is the faithfulness to his people and how he continues to move and create his story in the world now I think about this story in our lives today and how the story speaks to us right now I don't think this story is meant to be a textbook way in the process of prayer because we all know We have prayed hard and hard for certain things and they don't happen. Sometimes we think that maybe we should bargain with God like Hannah did. God, if I just do this, will you answer my prayer? We never know immediately how our prayers will be answered. God is not a transactional God. He is a God who meets us in the pain, working out new life, even when we cannot begin to see it ourselves. We are not to miss, though, in this story, that God hears every tear, every gut-wrenching plea, and every hope is heard, and that's where God will be found. Resurrection, God's presence and power, is not reversal It is through pain and death that new life takes hold. We cannot know how or when, but we have to trust in the promise that it will. Faith is found and formed in the broken pieces and the shattered stories of our lives. If you are experiencing infertility right now, if you have experienced a miscarriage, any type of silent pain here today, that your life matters, that God is there. Hannah is there for you to point the way that there is hope in the despair. I hope stories like this will awaken us as a community to be a place where we can somehow be supported in all of our pain and suffering. I really don't know how Hannah managed her grief without a support network of people who could be present, to simply be with her in her pain. Maybe this story makes us mindful that we are blessed in the broken and called then to be light and reminders of this in the world, to simply walk with people and honor their stories in pain, not to downplay them or ignore them, but to be there so they know they are not alone. May we trust in the promises of God in the midst of the silent grief and embody hope and compassion in how we listen, share, and give to others. Let it be so. Amen. Please stand as we sing.